being discussing last week, the Gemara which says that the Gemara says that if a person is um, careful to be Makayim, the Shlosh Yisrodos of Shabbos, so it's in, as a reward, Hashem protects him from Chevle Moshiach and from the punishment of Gehinnom and from the war of Gog and Magog. So just looking over this week, some of the halachas which refer to the covered of Shabbos. As you know, there's two parts of Hilcha Shabbos. There's a mitzvah of Zachar, which is a mitzvah of what applies to what we're meant to be doing on Shabbos, how we're meant to be giving cover to Shabbos. Uh, and there's a mitzvah of Shamar, which are all the melachas of Shabbos, what one's forbidden from doing on Shabbos. And of course, in the Shabbos has to know the halachas of Shabbos well. But I was looking over this week, there are actually a lot of interesting points when it comes to the mitzvahs of Shabbos, not the melachas, but the mitzvahs, what a person's meant to do on Shabbos. And What's the right? What's the, the preferable way of doing things on Shabbos? So I thought maybe we'll talk a little bit about some of the halachas applying to the, the positive commandment of Shabbos. Uh, there are a number of different aspects to that. There's the mitzvah of halachas neiros. There's the mitzvah of kiddush. There's the mitzvah of the shneiros They're all parts of uh, how a person is meant to experience and enjoy <coughs> and connect to Shabbos properly. So let's start with what the Gemara is talking about. The Gemara talks about the male of a person who's makayim shalish sodas for Shabbos. What's the requirement of shalish sodas for Shabbos? How does a person fulfill the mitzvah of the three mitzvah of the three sodas properly? So the first thing is this is brought a number of times in the post game that is everything which applies to Shabbos applies equally to men and to women. Not just the isram of Shabbos, but since we says itkish zachar neshamar, which means since the the mitzvahs of Shabbos were given together with the prohibitions of Shabbos, uh, so therefore they apply equally to men and to women, and therefore all the all the halachas and all the chiyuvim of how to keep Shabbos are obligate women as well. Why that's important is because a lot of ladies think that they aren't obligated the same way, uh, especially when it comes to so the shlishis, for example, that there's a lot of like eating, they think that they're potter, but the Mishabur points out a few times, ladies are chayiv exactly the same way men are chayiv. And therefore, whatever you're going to say is the correct way uh, for a person to to uh, to be makayim, fulfill. So the Shabbos applies equally to women as well. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is the Surah Shabbos, is what's the ideal timing for the Surah Shabbos. So we know that the Surah Shabbos uh, corresponds to, so to speak, when Kaisal would have eaten the man that fell especially for Shabbos. So how, how, how did it work? In other words, every day man fell, and Aaron and Shabbos, you know, the Pasuk tells us, an extra portion of man fell. So how does the extra portion work for three meals? So the Mishabura learns like this. He says that every day a portion of man fell. Uh, the Jewish people, the fell in the morning, so the Jewish people would use half of it for the, the day meal, and half of it for the night, that night. And then by the end of the, by that night it would be finished. And then the next morning, one would again, and again, they would split the money into two meals, half to be used then at the day, and half for that night. On Erev Shabbos, so the regular portion of money fell for Friday, so that they would use for Friday day, Friday lunch, and for Lel Shabbos, for Friday night. And then they needed a second, so to speak, portion of money, which they would use for Shabbos day, and so delicious. And then on Sunday, the new money would fall again for Sunday. So the three meals of Shabbos would be connected, uh, so to speak. The first meal would be connected the month, which is the second half of the month of Friday, 
which they would use for Shabbos, and then the extra portion which fell would be used for Shabbos morning and Shabbos afternoon. <coughs> One could ask, what about Madame Malka? Madame Shem will discuss that soon. I guess that was the way that they, it was the way that they used to eat. But when did they eat on a regular weekday? When did they eat the second meal? At night. At night. At night. After dark. Yeah. After dark. So they right. couldn't even until the morning. That day they could eat it. And they get the Shalashudish meal before it gets dark. No, so the, the, the second portion of Shabbos they would eat earlier to eat it also on Shabbos. Uh-huh. The, uh, the double portion that fell on Arab Shabbos implies the quantity was so. Right. But aren't you meant to have Oh, so that's also a good question, and that is, if that's the case, so then it sounds like the Friday night meal was just the leftovers of Shabbos morning, of Friday lunch, it was the same, just the, the second half of the same, and also Shabbos was just the, another of the same, it was the regular portion of one, which just got more of it. Like the Chara, we would expect that, especially in the Midbar, if Hashem is providing one, especially for Shabbos, we would expect it to be somewhat better than the, the meals they ate every single day of the week. So what is the difference between the Shabbos man, if I want to call it that, and the weekday man? Was just another another slice of bread, another something to eat, or was it something more uh, more enhanced than that? So it's interesting. This is actually Rashi on last expression of Pashmeresis, when it says in the pasuk, Hashem blessed the seventh day and was So in what way did Hashem bless and what was Hashem Makadishet? Rashi brings the Chazal, he was Mubarakhay Baman and Kitchai Baman, which means he was Mubarakhat. The Brach of Shabbos and the Kedush of Shabbos was both experienced in the man. That doesn't mean that it was the only time Hashem was Mubarakh of Shabbos, but that was when we noticed the difference of Shabbos than any other day. We saw it in the man. The second so, portion was greater. Oh, so, so we see that it wasn't, well, how is Hashem Mubarakh Shabbos with the man? So we see from that that there was an extra Bracha in the man of Shabbos. And therefore, there was, even though it wasn't, it was just another a measure of man, but it was special man. This was there was more kedusha in it, and there was more bracha in it. There was something special about the man they ate on Shabbos. And if that's the case, then we have to say an interesting point. And that is, it wasn't just the extra portion which fell for Shabbos that had that extra kayak. It must have been whatever they ate for the Shabbos also. Uh, <coughs> in other words, the man still on Friday, half of it was regular man, and half of it was special man. One which was blessed, one which was special to be for Shabbos, which is very interesting because Smashmat was the same the same uh, quantity of man. We have to say that within that, whatever they kept for Shabbos, got an extra level of bracha. So I understand. On Shabbos morning, they have one portion of man. Yes. So one is for the morning, and one should be at night. Right. What about the Shalashudas? No, it's the eight and Shalashudas, not at night. What did they, instead of night, they ate at Shalashudas? Yes. yes. Then what were they having then? So that's what you asked before. What did they do for the market? So we'll see. Okay. Um, okay. So that was the, the, <coughs> the limit from the month. Now, because of that, so we on Shabbos, we have the remembrance of the month, which is the Lecha Mishnah. The Lecha Mishnah is meant to remind us of the month. How does the Lecha Mishnah remind us of the month? Because we take, and it's a simple chapter which is brought in the Torah, is that that way we have a Lel Shabbos, we take two two loaves and we cut one and we leave the other for tomorrow. And that's why we're showing that there was the man which they had to eat now and the man which they left for tomorrow. If that's the significance of what the man's meant to, or what the Lecha Mishnah is meant, meant to symbolize, so then the idea is to cut one of them. Which is what the Shachalarov says and what the Mishaburah says is was the prevalent minak. To cut one of the two loaves for the Shabbos and it's a shah. 
uh, what I'm eating today, I'm eating for today, and the rest I'm leaving for tomorrow because it's Shabbos. Not only that, the Shachnar of Paskans, that if that's the case, on El Shabbos a person is meant to cut the bottom chala. And the reason for that is, is because if you think how things must have happened in the Midbar, so what fell first was Friday, and then Hashem after sent an extra portion of Shabbos. So when the Jews went out to do the Erev Shabbos preparations by gathering them on, so what happened was they had the, the portion for Friday underneath, and the portion for Shabbos on top of it. So we're trying to show the same thing. Remember, what we're eating the El Shabbos Friday night is the second half of what we fell for, for, for Friday, and then the part for Shabbos would be the part which was on top. Oh, so one second. And therefore, uh, what's meant to be is that when a person makes the Baruch Lelecha Mishnah, what's the part meant for El Shabbos is the bottom one. And as the Shachonarach says, that a person is meant to cut the bottom chara on El Shabbos. And the Poiskin ties us the question that the Master is Aimavirim and Amitzvahs, and therefore you're always meant to make the bracha on the, on the item nearer to you. And here you have to move the top one out the way in order to get the bottom one. So you, you, you sort of think you're passing over the option of using the top one for the bracha. So the Mishabur already brings from the that the answer to that would be that even if it's the bottom chara you're using, but it's still the nearer chara to get to. And there's two ways to do that. One way to do that is to make it closer to you. So these would be my two chalas. Instead of having direct on top of each other, which the only I can cut the bottom one is I'm moving the top one out the way, the way to do it would be to bring, bring the lower one closer to me, so that if that's the case, when I come to cut it, that's right in front of me. I don't have to move the top one out to do that. The other way would be to do what the Mukubanim say, and that is also a pikavana, that when a person makes a moiti, you should put all ten fingers on the chalas he's going to cut. And if that's okay, so even if I'm holding both together, I'm not holding them from the top. I'm putting both my hands on the bottom chala because I need to put all my fingers on the chala I'm going to cut. And then if that's the case, when I make the bracha, I pick it up. I wasn't my very mitzvah. I didn't push the top one off. I just took the one I was holding anyway to cut that one. So that would solve the technical problem of not to be my very mitzvah. But uh, based on that, Shabbos night, being as that's meant to represent the lower of the two, uh, the the shal on Friday, that would be at the bottom. Shabbos day, so if that's the case, Shabbos day, so then now we're talking about I'm only eating the portion I got for Shabbos. The portion I got for Shabbos was meant to be half for the morning and half for Shabbos. If that's the case, I can use the tafkhana. Because this was the portion I had for Shabbos, I'm just eating half now and keeping half for later. And if that's the case, again, I have the Mishnah because I'm, cutting, I'm, splitting the, the, I'm, split, I'm splitting the food of Shabbos into two meals. Half of it I'm going to eat now, which is a tough one. And then another half I'm leaving for Shabbos, Shabbos, which is the bottom one. So that would be that the Shekhar would say you do by the Shabbos morning meal. Now you come to Shabbos Lish, so the Shish is, and there's a day in the Rishonim who holds, the Shabbos Lish is, I don't need Lecha Mishnah. Because think about it, when they were in the Midbar, how much food did they have left when they got to Shabbos Lish? They only had that one, that half of the Shabbos Sudah. So therefore there's a day in the Rishonim that says, come to the Shish, I need one Chala. Because every other meal I needed to show that there was food for now and food for later. Mm-hmm. Come to the Shlishis. So now I only have food for now. I only have one chala. So then I only need one chala. There is such a day in the Rishonim. We don't pass a night there. It's brought in the Shulchan Aruch. And the Shulchan Aruch brings that was not like that. Um, and he says, even for the Shlishis, the person is meant to have Lecha Mishnah. And the question is, why? And the no, we talk, the size of the chal is a different point. So we're just talking about the fact that you have Lecha Mishnah. He says you make three chalas for Shabbos. It's not because when the person wants more food or less food. 
Mishmar also says if you if well, it says you use the medium size for a Friday night and a large one for Shabbos day. And then it's yeah, the fascist reason for that is well, if you want to see that the person is meant to be God will call it the Yemeni Kuala Lai. That's for the reason. So, the Chari that makes a lot of sense. What would be the Sparrow? We need Lech and Mishnah even for Shabbos What's the reason for having Lech and Mishnah back to the Shabbos? So, the Shabbos Lech explains himself and he says, this was Takana de Rabban. It wasn't meant to, uh, to uh, parallel exactly what the Jew was doing in the Midbar, but the way we remember that there was the devil portion of mine is that it stood the Shabbos as Tafsir And that's why the Mishnah brings from Nachmanim that if a person was hungry and he wanted to have a fourth meal on Shabbos, or a fifth meal on Shabbos, whatever it would be, every meal you have to have Lech Mishnah. It's not just strange just three meals. If for some reason I wanted to eat a fourth meal on Shabbos, I should have Lech Mishnah for that too. Because it's Takana on Shabbos, that when you eat when you on Shabbos a meal, it's two chalas. It's remind us of the Mishnah, not necessarily following uh, the order of how much chala had. That's all according to the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch. And the, again, the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch is that each meal I take two chalas and I cut one. And the idea is to show the Lech Mishnah that I'm using one and the one I'm using for the next meal. Uh, the Aruch Shalim was not like that. The Ritfan and Ashman others who hold, I meant to cut both chalas. And therefore, every meal I meant to cut two chalas. And what's this fire? And that is that, again, the Lechem Mishnah wasn't to, to parallel what the Jews were doing in the Midbar. The Lechem Mishnah was to show Hashem sent extra food for Shabbos. But if, the, if, if I meant to be make the bracha on Lechem Mishnah, then so that means I meant to eat the Lechem Mishnah. And therefore, according to them, I need six chalas for Shabbos because each meal I'm going to use two. Uh, Mishnah Bro brings when he explains this day. He says, if that's the case, if I don't think that I have enough people around the table to eat two chalas, so he says it's better to buy two small chalas than having one big chalas because, according to them, you meant to be betzeh both of the chalas. You meant to cut both of them. And so therefore, if you don't have enough people to eat two big chalas, then rather buy two small chalas. And then you have the minor of cutting two chalas. The minor is, the Mishabur also says that the minag is not like that, and that the minag was like a shachonarach, only cut one chalas, but there were other people who are in the makbit like that, who are like that, the other is like that. And that is to cut two chalas at every meal. Okay, that, that, that's the second opinion. Do the chalas have to be there? That's the that's second opinion. Now we come to the Rizal. The Rizal, Apikabala, held that the, the Shabbos table is, is the source of shefa that a person gets for food for the whole week. Mm-hmm. And then he goes from the Gemara, they're just like in the Besamikdosh, there was the Shulchan Azov, the, the, the golden table, on which they made that there was a lechem upon him, and they used to put the new lechem upon him on every Shabbos. On Shabbos, they used to switch the lechem upon him, and that was the symbol of all the shefa of food which would come down for that week on Shabbos. So today we don't have the shulchan of the Besamikdash, and today our table, our Shabbos table, replaces that shulchan. And therefore, the Rizal says that, and we spoke about the last Shabbos, that our kavanah in eating on Shabbos is, this is where we're getting our sustenance for the whole week. It's coming through the Shabbos Siddur. And therefore, the Rizal says, that just like on the Shulchan, there were 12 loaves of Lechem upon him, a person is meant to have 12 Chalas. You meant to symbolize Shulchan, and even Apikabal uh, told you exactly how to set them up, and you know, what order to put them in to have 12 Chalas. Now, there aren't that many people who match to the result to have 12 Chalas. What's not clear, according to the result, is, is 12 Chalas per meal, or 12 chalas, which I can just leave those chalas on the table the whole Shabbos. So I, I might eat one and leave 11, and then whatever it is, and then just replace the one for the next meal, the next meal. And I was not clear that the original held I have to eat 12 chalas. He held I have to have 12 chalas. He understood the shepherd came down 
through 12, just like a 12 Yachma Aponim, so it comes down through the 12 Chalas on the table. What's the reason for that? It's a fascinating thing. The reason also didn't know. He knew that Alpi the Kabbalah, it's meant to be that the Shekha comes down through the 12 Yachma Aponim, it's meant to have 12 Chalas, but why he didn't know? It's one of the few things Arizal says he doesn't know. And even in his mirrors, he says on the Arizal Zemr of Shabbos, he even talks about it. And he says, Hashem explain to me the reason for the 12 Chalas. I don't know the reason. And so he, it's, it's very rare in the Kabbalah that Arizal says it's something he wasn't told. This is one of the things. And he asked, Hashem should teach me the reason why we need 12 Chalas. But that was Arizal held, and he held that a person is meant to have 12 Chalas. Now, uh, that's those. Uh, I don't know how many people are machmed to that day of the Rizal. If a person is, they have to then again, they're probably going to buy a very small chalas or, or bulkalach rolls rather than buying big chalas because unless you have an enormous amount of people eating, 12 chalas is a lot of chalas. You have to hold them all Yeah, yeah according to the Rizal, you have to hold them I've seen people make chalas yeah. and. <coughs> what the Hasidim do, right. what the Hasidim do uh, is uh, they want to be at the Rizal. Not easy to go to get 12 chalas. So what they do is they make like, a, like it looks like a little flower, which means it's like made up of six connected little rolls, which are all sitting together. So you have two of those. Now you have 12 rolls, so to speak, but it's actually two chalas because they're each they're all semi-connected. So that um, you have 12 things which you can separable into 12 chalas. They break away chalas to 12, but the you have two. So you have the normal two chalas which you pick up. But Lamaisa, you can take him apart into 12 pieces. That's not clear halakhically if that means anything. And we're going to talk about this. We talk about Lech Mishnah Bez Hashem. Are two loaves which are connected, considered one or considered two? And if they're considered one, then you haven't achieved anything. So the, the fact that I could pull them apart into different, so to speak, units uh, is maybe a nice remiss to 12, but it doesn't really count as 12 chalas. So right now they're connected, they one. I also heard this once. Uh, I can't say this from a reliable source. I heard it from a certain Rav, but I don't know where he got it from. And he said, where did the Minak of Klai Yisrael come from to braid Chalas for Shabbos? You have to use two loaves of bread. So I go about two loaves of bread. What's that? Where did this whole fancy, like all around the world, this idea of braiding Chalas in a specific... Where did it come from? Why did they do it? What does the Makar Pesach say? No, if that's so traditional, what the Chalas looks like, so we just take it for granted. It never says... Anywhere that what a chal is meant to look like. It never says anywhere uh, it has a special shape. It doesn't uh, look like the Echon And definitely doesn't look like the Echon was flat with like two yeah. corners going off the side. So where did they get this idea of braided chal of a Shabbos? Mm-hmm. So he wants to suggest, and I can say, it's an interesting idea. I've never seen the inside of a for this. Is it was also having a Yetzirah result. Because when you make a chal, you're using three uh, things of dough. So when you braid the chalas, you have three, so to speak, separate chalas all stuck in one. And now we needed four chalas for Shabbos. Because remember, one for Friday night, one for Shabbos day, one for Shabbos and also for Necha Mishnah. So I have four chalas, each one made of three strings of dust. So I have twelve. So then... That's the people, they use six in the States, for example. That's already a chalas. Six is twelve. Okay, but the original was three. And the idea was to get to twelve. Now, again, it's an interesting idea. I don't have any other reason to why they ever braided chalas. But halachic, it doesn't mean anything. Especially here. Once you've braided the chalas, it all becomes one thing. That's for sure not considered anything more than one, according to that reason. They together. Yeah, it all mixes into this one thing. Therefore, technically, it's not considered It's not considered three. It's considered one. But was that the intention of the people who originally decided to braid chalas? I don't know. 
And it's an interesting idea to like at least uh, give some connection to the idea of Larry's up. Second point, how many chalas you meant to have? And even like we said, according to the shita of Larry's they're meant to be 12. Is it 12 for a Shabbos or 12 for a meal? That's not completely clear, but most people are not nachmed to Larizal. Most people only have two chalas and that they answer with. Now, is there any problem with having more than two chalas? Are you restricted to two or if a person wants to have lots of chalas? Like I said before, you have all kinds of people's preferences and therefore you have lots of different chalas available. Is there any problem with more than two? No. Two is the minimum. If a person wants to make a bracha and more, he can. And, uh, and once the, the anyway the Ica bracha is going on the one he cuts first. But Lamaiz, if he has to, once you have a, a, a lot of khalas of all different types and varieties, therefore to cut out and to give people each one what they want, that's fine as well. So you don't have to eat from the from the one that's cut. Yeah, the, the person who's making the bracha to eat from the first one he cuts, everybody else can eat from what they like. And the other the other people do they have to eat from if they're eating from different khalas, do they have to be shlamim? Um, yes. In other, as I said, like, let me qualify what you said. In other words, the bracha is meant to be on the shlemim. The bracha is meant to be on the shlemim. Now, the, so if, if I want to get the prusa which the bracha was made on, it's bishalim. Am I machuyev to that? No, because since the bracha was made on two full chalas, if I want to eat a piece of chalas which is not a shalim, I'm allowed to eat it. I, it was, uh, uh, the bracha was made of lechem mishnah. I just don't have the maila of. The, of the bracha being made and what I ate, but for sure it's good enough. So if you have a person who's, let's say, a gluten intolerant, and he's at a meal where the two full chalas are regular wheat chalas, and he has just a, a piece of bread, which is something which he's allowed to eat, he's, of course he can ask the balabai to put it to two chalas, and then after moitzi he'll eat it. But he, in other words, so he has the maila that the hamoitzi was made over two full shleimim, even though he's not eating from the shleimim. Right, so that piece that he's eating can be a slice, it doesn't have to be a Right, right. He doesn't get the maila of the bracha of a mighty. But the maestri is not equal. Okay. That's the din of that's the din of Lechemishna. Now, two more points about Lechemishna. The first one is do both chalas have to be right to eat? This is a very, very common question. Come shadows and I see only one chala left. Okay? So I can take the frozen chala out of the freezer. Even though I don't eat it, it's completely rock solid. But let me say, it's a khalab. So I'll put it on the, I'll put it on the khalab next to the other one, I'll cut the one I want, and then I'll put it back in the freezer afterwards. Does that work? That's a very common question. Most boys can hold that it works. Most of us it works because I'm not mechuyiv to cut both. It is a khalab. I'm not mechuyiv to eat it. So as, long as, so as long as I have it here and I'm going to cut and eat the one I want, then it's okay. But if for some reason it would be awesome for me to eat that khalab, then it doesn't count. In other words, they say that it has, doesn't have to be a challah which is practically edible, but it has to be a challah which is mutter to eat. Because something I can't eat isn't a challah anymore. Once the halakha is allowed to eat it, so it doesn't have the dinner of a challah. It can have challah taken? So, for example, then the challah taken, that's the most common one. I forgot, the person who made, lady made challah, she forgot to take challah. She wasn't, she wasn't makhish challah from it. So now I can't eat it. So now I can't eat it for lecha mishnah either, because halakha is also for me to eat. Or another common example is somebody slept on top of it. And Allah is the not to eat bread that someone slept over. It's not going to the mission either. Or let's say there was something for every reason that became trade. Whatever the case might be, when there's a halachic reason and not allowed to eat it, then it doesn't count as khalaf. What was the second one? The someone second. slept on top of it. Left? Slept. Somebody slept oh, on, top, on top of it. Like you have a bread basket underneath your bed. Right. After you slept on it, but you don't correct. So then they were answered. If you're eating flesh, problem. 
Then the other one will If it's a semen, then yes. Then it will be in the right, first category. Because then it's mutter, just I don't, I can't eat it right now. There's nothing also about the honey. No, even if I'm flashing. If I'm, if, I, if I'm flashing, then it's in the category of the frozen khala, which means I, can't, I don't want to eat it now. So it's not awesome. It's edible. Whereas if it's if it's a flesh, let's say a milky khala with Addison, where it's also for me to eat, then it goes in the category of awesome. It's with a shimmer, it just happens to be milk. Right. Now, what's an interesting question is uh, let's say I find I've only got one khala, so delicious. So I ran across all the neighbor, I knock on the door and say, please, please, do you have an extra khala that I can use for the Mishnah? And the neighbor says to me, I have a khala, but don't you dare cut it because I need it for the Mishnah too. Does that count as something I can use for the Mishnah? Because on one hand it's a khala, why I'm not allowed to eat it. No, it's not mine. And I was told, don't eat it. So does that put in the category of something which is frozen and therefore it's food, just I'm not eating, I'm not eating it? Or something I'm not allowed to eat because it doesn't belong to me. And then I'm, since I'm not allowed to eat, it doesn't count for a khala. This is actually makhlaikas in the If you have a stolen khala... That's the thing of uh, a khala which I can't use. Is there a minimum size? I heard that you could... that. Is there a minimum size of what I can use for a khala? Let's have a very, very small... Uh, uh, I a little extra dime, a very small little, little khala roll. It's tiny, but it's shalim. Is there a minimum size? The person can see it has to be at least a kazais. Less than it doesn't count. Um, can I use a matzah as long as the matzah is shot? And then yes. Okay, so that's the dinner of khala. Now, what, what's a common question is when a person buys khalas from the bakery. So when the bakery makes the khalas, they put them in the oven and trays, and as they grow and expand the oven, they grow into each other. Yeah. So now instead of having a nasty rounded crust of each khala, I've got two khalas stuck together. So there's two questions. Firstly, if I buy two khalas, I can't just stuck together. Find these khalas. Is that considered lechemishna or not? So the boys can say, no, if it's stuck together, it's one khala, not two. It's a very oddly shaped khala, but it's one khala. It's one, piece, one, one unit which is being baked, not two. But if I can separate it in a way that each one looks like a full khala, then it's okay, I have two. But that I have to do carefully. Because there has to be in a way where it looks like each one, even if it doesn't completely round it at the end, but it looks like a full loaf. Whereas, right, standing by the bulk, where you pull them apart, they have a little area where they were touching the next one, but each one looks full. Whereas if I would pull one apart and now it gouges out some of the dough of its neighbor, so that one's got like a hole, like a thing missing, that one's not a shalim anymore. And therefore if a person wants to separate khalas, they have to do it carefully to make sure that you have two proper khalas and not one khala and the other khalas now missing something uh, because it came, half of the dough came away with the one I pulled, which is actually a very common question of The person goes to bank, you know, he takes his khala and then he sees he's like ruined the khala next to it. So now no one can buy that khala. But you're ruining your own khala too. No, no, no. My khala is okay. My khala is good extra. Well, I'm, I'm so that's just, okay. I'm in Yeah. The bringing out the trays. Right. Three, in the, they're all connected to each other. Right. So Actually, like, I, I want to buy a couple of khala. They're all connected. Right. I have to tear it off. That's, but now what, what happens when you tear it? If it divides neatly to each one's and that comes to an end, that's okay. They're both khala. Okay. If I pull and I pulled out some of the, the dough of the next one. I don't know from what you the next name is. Yes, yeah, so is it carefully? You, you can't tell. You can see, is it, is it like kind of, is there a gap? Is it straight or is it like kind of curved it's, in? I was trying, it's so difficult. Right, so that's it's the It's connected from end to end with, with, with a hot dough, which yeah. is taken out. That's why it's very likely that the first person to pull the khal is going to ruin the khal next to him. Or ruin his own. Or the other way yes. around. Yes, right. right. So what do you do?
either that or you have to be careful just not to ruin it by doing that because once once the big piece missing from it it's not a shalem anymore now what's also common a question is what about what about if some of the crust cracks off so I have a chala and the bag dropped now like some of the outside crust cracked cracked off especially the ones which have a crispier crust so it breaks more easily so the post doesn't that's still called the Mishnah it's still a whole lot. Even if it's a little bit which fell off, it doesn't change the surah of the love. As opposed to a matzah. If I have a matzah and someone breaks off, so now it doesn't have the surah of a whole matzah anymore. There's a piece missing. So that's not considered a shalem. Whereas if a bit of the crust breaks, I haven't lost the shape of the love. And therefore it's still considered a shalem, even if it's missing some of the crust. By a matzah, if it's missing some of the matzah, that's not called a shalem. And why is that different than pulling the chalus apart? It still looks like a whole loaf. No, if there's a piece missing. So you that's, can't tell. You so that's tell. the question. That's just a check. If it looks like you can see something, it will be a problem. If not, then no. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's as far as that's as far as using chalas as lecha mishnah goes. Now the question is, can a person use buzaynis for lecha mishnah? In other words, a person has one chala and one Danish. Can I use a, day, a full Danish? Can I use it for lecha mishnah? Is there any mail in that? Or even better, let's say a person uh, he doesn't want to wash the chala. So he wants to make a mitzvah with two Danishes. Can I do that? Can I use Mazayinus for Lecha Mishnah or not? So firstly, this is a very big Mechalikas that the Primagodim brings, like the Magad Abraham, a very big Mechalikas Bichal, if that works or not. In other words, if you say Lecha Mishnah has to be dafka bread, or even something which is Mazayinus, I can use that as a Lecha Mishnah of that too. And based on this, so it's Mechalikas, it's better not to do it, but... Uh, there's two, two opinions there. But based on this, there's a fascinating Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch. And the Kitzvah Shulchan Aruch says, if a person wants to make Kiddush, Shabbos morning, not eat bread, eat Mazonis, like we do here in the Shul, the bread is allowed to do, it can be Kaveh Asura Mazonis. So if a person wants to eat Mazonis, not bread, says the Kitzvah, you still eat Lecha Mishnah. So you should use Lecha Mishnah Mazonis. And therefore, he said, Lecha you don't have to wash for Kiddush, you can eat Mazonis, but you need Lecha Mishnah. And therefore, to eat a slice of cake is not good. You should take two full items of Mazonis, two full Danish or something like that, so you have Lecha Mishnah. Now it's like this. The Minagodim is not like that. A lot of folks can argue with him. And they say that they did know Lecha Mishnah is only eating bread. If eating Mazonis, there's no need to do Lecha Mishnah. You can make Mazonis without Lecha Mishnah too. They even post him to say that a person who's, who's making Kiddush Barabim shouldn't do it because it's next to Kiyara. In other words, if, you're doing it, if you want to be Machmir in your own home and make Lecha Mishnah on two Danishes, which is which are shalim, okay, you know, yes, it's shalim, it's very nice. But Rabbim, they say, you shouldn't do it, it's nesik It looks like a person's trying to look for extra chumras, which nobody does. I was once or twice in the houses of Dari Israel for Kiddush, and I thought I did it. It's interesting that they took two, they took two Danishes, which were quite good, Kiddush, held them both together, and then made them a Zionist to make one of them. Yes, made them a Zionist, and one of them. And they had, like, Lechemishna, two full items of Zionist to do it, and those same people in Kushal, they didn't do it. The same people, when they made a kiss in the shul, they didn't do it. They were those places, that if you do it bribe, it's not next to you. So, halakha is you don't need to do it. Halakha is if a person is making kiss on the Zionists, there's no deal of lecha mission on the Zionists. The deal of lecha mission is only on bread. Um, but there is that day that some people are machmer to, definitely on them when they're in private, and that is if they're going to make Zionists. After Kiddush, they're going to look for two full items to make Zionists on. Rub, rub shouldn't do it when, when it makes kiddush. But if I'm sitting at the side of the table, if people aren't noticing you, 
if people are noticing you. The so, problem. so that's, but even in, in the house of the Godel, people are noticing him, even though it's, it's a uh, yeah, I haven't been the only one there, so I don't think I was worried about that. But it's, I think it shouldn't be nickel that that's the what was it. In sure, we don't, we don't. Our is that we have. Talk about regarding um, regarding the Shulah the Shabbos. That's interesting. When it comes to another Malka. But my question was like, if you have, like we said that we're going to talk about Shulah Shabbos next week. It's sort of another Malka, which is also part of Kavod Shabbos. There, everybody agrees that even though you meant to wash, there's no need of Lecha Mishnah. So we'll talk about next week. Even though it was meant for Kavit Shabbos, then there was a word attacking the Echemishna for that. And then we'll talk about that. Is there a Dinam Shalem? Number one. Number two, where did this thing come from? Number three, how do they eat it in the midbar? Where do they get the money from Rav Malka from? And then we'll talk about next week. And also we'll talk about next week, Rav Hashem, the service of Yom Tov. Is there a Dinam Shalem? And is it the same concept of Shabbos? Is it different? So we'll talk about next week.